and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about something that I think is an important thing to have, and I think it's kind of forgotten. I don't think people really worry about it. I don't think people are concerned about it. I don't think people make it a, a point of emphasis in their lives or in the lives of people that they come across. And that's basically having a code of ethics. We're going to talk about morality, ethics, goodness. And what does that mean? What does it entail? And um, that's what we're going to talk about on the show. Because as you look at the world and the way we're going, you're starting to see a lot of different things being popped up in whether it's social media, in the news, as you just go through life, and things that at one time might have been frowned upon as maybe something that is bad or badness is now considered good or goodness. Let's put it this way. Remember the movie Caddyshack? Goodness and badness? Judge Smell, sir? Sit down, Danny. Danny, I think you know why you're here, so I'll do us both the courtesy of not reviewing what happened yesterday. Sorry. My niece is the kind of girl that has a certain zest for living. The last thing any of us need right now is a lot of loose talk about her behavior. I swear I didn't tell anybody anything, sir. <laughs> good. Good, good. You know, despite what happened, I... I'm still convinced you have many fine qualities, and I... I think you can still become a gentleman someday. If you understand and abide by the rules of decent society. <laughs> Danny. Danny. There's a lot of, uh, well, badness in the world today. I see it in court every day. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. Felt I owed it to them. The most important decision you can make right now is what do you stand for, Danny? <clears throat> Goodness or badness? I know I've made some mistakes in the past. I'm willing to make up for that. I want to be good. 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 Very good. <laughs> you know, I... I know how hard it is for young people today, and I want to help. Well, just ask my grandson Spaulding. He and I are regular pals. Are you my pal, Mr. Scholarship Winner? Are you my pal? Goodness versus badness. If you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. But it's the idea behind goodness and badness, where I kind of got this concept to kind of talk about it. Not from the movie, but I thought that that was a good clip to kind of start things off. Start things off with a little bit of humor, a little bit of fun, but yet making the point that there is a difference between goodness and badness. I mean, you would take a look at the definition of good from the Oxford Dictionary, to be desired or approved of is one of the definitions. Pleasing, welcoming, appropriate, having moral virtue, showing kindness. These are some of the 
things listed in the dictionary under the definition of good. Now, obviously, goodness is a derivative of, of good. And when you look at goodness, it's quite interesting because as I was doing some research for this, every time I would type in goodness on the internet search, it always kind of reflected back to the fruit of the spirit, which is a reference to the Bible. And goodness is one of them. So obviously it's something that is there that we need to, or at least talk about, or maybe have an awareness of. Because oftentimes what is defined as good varies. And we'll get to that. But that's what it's about. It's about having a foundation in something, a belief in something that will keep you from being like a jellyfish and just bobbing on the ocean with the ebb and flow of the tide and your thoughts and your opinions and your beliefs change based on which way the wind blows. And when you come to that point where you're just like the chaff that the wind is driving away, then you've really lost a whole lot of yourself because you're talking about character. You're talking about who you are, what you are, and people are going to depend on you for things. And if they want to depend on you or if they think they can depend on you, the only way they're going to know is by watching you and observing you and seeing how you act in different situations in life when you're alone or you think you're alone and nobody's watching. Somebody's always watching. And so with goodness, you get kind of all mixed together in the same bowl. You get morality. Morality is the principles concerning the distinction between, uh, between right and wrong, good or bad behavior. It's basically morality is a set of standards to live by. And that's really what we want to talk about, the set of standards by which you live by. Do you have a set of standards? If you see a wallet lost, do you return it? Or do you take the money out first and then return it? If you're going to help somebody, are you expecting gratitude or something back? Or are you just doing it out of the kindness of your heart? And these are things that there really isn't a concrete answer that is universal for everybody. It's going to be a conversation that you have to have with self-reflection. You're going to have to take a look at your own life. What is it that you want? What is it that you want to express to others? And we'll get to that. So you have good, which is a desire to be approved of, pleasing, welcome, appropriate. Morality, the principles of the distinction between right and wrong, good and bad behavior, basically the set of standards to live by. And then you have ethics, the third part of this. Moral principles that governs a person's behavior or activity. So when you take a look at good or goodness, you take a look at morality, you take a look at ethics, morals, it's all kind of the same, just a little bit of a tweak to fit different aspects of life. And that's when you come up with this idea of a code of ethics. A lot of people will have a code of conduct. A code of conduct might be a set of rules that if you go to a place, let's say you go to an amusement park, there's a code of conduct that they expect how you're going to behave. You're going to follow this code of conduct. If you're in the workplace, there might be a code of conduct that while you're working there, you have to abide by these rules, abide by these behaviors, these activities. 
So people out there have code of conducts, which is a set of standards that they're going to put upon you and they want you to follow it. But your code of ethics is something that you put together for yourself so that you can create the person that you want to be. What's the standard of life that you want to be? Some have a high standard of life. Some have a low standard of life. Some might not have any standard of life. I mean, I think about uh, some people that I've come across in life and, you know, their whole instinct is to survive. They've never had anybody to rely on. They've been on the streets. Maybe they've been homeless. Maybe they lived paycheck to paycheck. Maybe they bounced around different locations across the country. No stability, no roots. And they're only trying to survive day by day. Maybe their set of standards might be a little different than somebody with a fat cat bank account in Beverly Hills. But then again, maybe not. Maybe the fat cat Beverly Hiller, uh, Beverly Hillbilly is, uh, has a lower set of standards than that one person living day by day. It all depends. And it's also going to be viewed by others in the way you act and behave. So what are some of these ethical traits you might be talking about? What are some of the things that might be ethical? Well, before we get to that, I want to play this. Because when people think about ethics, morality, goodness, you might get a slew of things put out there. Ideas, suggestions, like kindness for one might be you know, an ethical thing, a morality thing. Um, not telling a lie. But it's also hard to judge because, again, so many different people have so many different definitions and so many set of values. So what can that underlining thing be that we can all understand truly what it is, what we're talking about when it comes to ethics, morality, and goodness? Telling good and bad apart can be tricky. Here's a simple way to think about it. Have you ever had a craving for junk food? Like you just wanted to gorge yourself on chips and cookies and sweets. When you do it, it feels great. Those treats are delicious and they satisfy that craving, at least for a little while. Then your stomach starts to hurt and you swear you'll never touch junk food again. That's a helpful way of imagining what bad things are. They're not simply violations of cosmic rules or things we do that deserve eternal punishment. Bad things are unhealthy, they're damaging. Unhealthy not for our stomachs, as in the case of junk food, but unhealthy for us as persons, for our hearts. Bad things are unhealthy for our souls. Good things, on the other hand, are healthy. They lift us up rather than tear us down, make us whole rather than leaving us damaged. Good things help us to become who God has called us to be, beings who are like Him, Good things help us to become good persons in the image of our good and loving Father. So when you look at it from that perspective, unhealthy versus healthy, what are the things that we do that are bad for our heart, our soul? What's damaging to us? It could be something physical, obviously, as doing drugs. Although some parts of the country... Drugs are becoming more and more legal, acceptable, but are they making us whole? Is it a benefit to us? Does it lift us up, 
make us feel better? Well, of course, it makes us feel better, I guess. Those that partake in, let's say, marijuana say it makes you feel better. But when we look at good and bad, we're looking at what builds others up, what tears others down, what builds us up, what tears us down, what makes us healthy, what makes us unhealthy in our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, all this. And again, we've talked about it before. It comes from the heart. A lot of it comes from the heart. The heart, it starts there, goes to our brain. We think about things. And then from there, we're going to act or speak. Outside of that, we got influences that are always telling us how we should behave, what should we say, what should we believe. And when we don't have our code of ethics, we don't have a foundation to stand on, then we can be swayed by things that are going on in life. So, for example, some ethical traits. A lot of people put honesty as an ethical trait. People say, I want to be honest. Okay, well, what does that entail? Are you being truthful? Are you not lying? If your boss comes to you and asks who did not get the assignment done, or if you're a student and you didn't get the assignment done, or you didn't study for your test, you're going to make up an excuse, or you're just going to be like, you know what, I didn't study. You know what, I was the one that didn't get the assignment done. I was the one that dropped the ball on this project. I was the one that did something. See, society has gotten to the point now where we blame others. I mean, everybody's blaming others for everything. We see it from the president on down. We see politicians. We see uh, musicians. We see actors. We see all kinds of people blaming others, not taking responsibility, at least not being honest. I mean, look at we went through the pandemic with vaccinations, masks. People weren't honest with us as to what these things were going to do or how it was going to affect us or how it would keep us safe, it became politicized. And if they were honest with us, I think a lot more people, or at least the society part of things, would have been less divisive. So again, honesty is one that a majority of people would write down. Another one is integrity. This one's a little bit harder for people to grasp because it's consistent and uncompromised adherence to your morality. Again, a lot of people don't sit down and think about, okay, what's my code of ethics? What's my morality? What is it that I'm believing in that is good? And what is it that I'm believing in that is bad? We don't have that set of standards. And you have to have it ahead of time and established ahead of time in order to be able to react the right way, the good way, in each situation that comes across. A lot of people that, I mean, in the military, for example, you're taught how to react when enemy fire breaks out. You're taught how to respond if a bomb or something goes off. You're taught to respond in a way that's going to try to give you the best opportunity to survive. Okay, so that's what's going on when you get these training scenarios from law enforcement, from military, maybe when you're doing things like uh, if you're in the classroom and you have the, depending on what part of the country you're in, you might have earthquake drills, you might have tornado drills, maybe nowadays we have active shooting drills. Okay, these are all designed ahead of time to make us prepared so if something happens, we have the best chance of survival. But when it comes to ourselves, who we are and who we want to be, we don't prepare ourselves. We don't sit down and write out what it is that is our set of standards that we're going to live by. 
And so when it comes to integrity and adherence to or an uncompromised stance on stuff that we believe in, we don't have that. We shake. Basically, with integrity, it gets to the point where people can trust you. You become a trustful person. Another one is fairness. A lot of people think they're fair. I'm fair. I'm fair. Are you really? When you think about it, have you sat down to think what fairness is? Dealing in a manner that is consistent. Consistency in your behavior, in your actions, in your thoughts. That's fairness. Impartial objectiveness. You're going to look at something and you're going to judge it the exact same way. Now, I try to avoid politics as much as possible, but it's too good of an example right now in this day and age because there's just so many examples of people that think they're fair, for example, and they're really not. Take a look at the difference between the people that were marching the streets during the summer of 2020 in their protests versus the perceived people that were allegedly in the Capitol building on January 6th. There's no fairness You're not looking at both things in the same manner. You're looking at them through a political ideology. You're looking at them through maybe what an influence is telling you how you should, whether it be social media or somebody else telling you how you should think. Because if you were going to look at it in a fair manner, in a consistent manner, you would look at both as being both were wrong. But yet somehow... The riots of 2020, those rioters, those people that were burning down our country are perceived as good. They were doing good, even though they were breaking the law, even though people were dying, even though damage was being done to the billions of dollars, people's lives were being ruined, police officers were being assaulted. These are facts. That was deemed good. But yet people strolling into Capitol Hill where only I think one person was shot and killed and she was shot and killed by police that was deemed as treason it's not fair you're not looking at things in a consistent manner so a code of ethics doesn't include fairness with these people what about loyal are you faithful are you faithful to your job are you faithful to yourself are you faithful to your set of standards that you're going to live by? Are you faithful to the people around you? See, faithful, people throw out faithfulness as like in a relationship. Oh, I'm not going to cheat on somebody. But it goes beyond that. People think loyalty. Oh, I'm going to stick with this company for the next 20 years. Okay. But it goes beyond that. It's sticking with and being committed to whatever it is that you're faithful to, you're loyal to. What about being responsible and accountable? Taking ownership, being the one in charge. I did it. Yeah, we messed up. Or, hey, we did great. Or, you know what? My team did awesome. They were the ones that did a lot of the work. Even though I may be the one getting a lot of the credit, it's all of us that did the work. That's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is responsibility and accountability. Because when it comes to the good, the stuff that makes us feel good, the stuff that lifts us up, we want all that for ourselves. The accolades, the recognition, the praise. 
But if something goes bad, it's unhealthy for us. It's tearing us down because we screwed up. We're going to pass the buck. We're going to blame others. Someone else is at fault. This guy did this. That guy did that. This situation. I mean, that's all we hear on the news media these days. You're blaming Trump. You're blaming Putin. You're blaming companies for making profits. Where's the responsibility? Where's the accountability for anybody that's in office? You ran for a reason. Supposedly. The buck stops with you. If you're a coach, Golden State Warriors just won the NBA championship. They're getting all the accolades. Sure, the Celtics, they made it to the finals, but they lost. They didn't win. Why? Buck stops with the coach. Maybe some of the star players. You got to take responsibility for that. And the good ones do. The people that have a code of ethics, they will step up and they will be responsible. And if you don't, you're going to pass the buck. You're going to blame other people because you're lacking a code of ethics. So when you look at this situation and you look at people in general, without having your code of ethics, without having your set of standards to live by, just in a generic world, you can sit back and you can look at people. And that asks the question, are people basically good? Or are people basically bad? A lot of people might think people are basically good. But are they? There are two important, indeed fundamental, questions you have to answer in life. The first is, is there a God, specifically a moral and judging creator? The second is, are people basically good? Your answer to the second question will shape just about all of your moral, social, and political views, even more than whether you believe in God. That's why a believer and an atheist who have the same views about human nature almost always have the same social and political views. Let me give you some examples. You've probably heard the phrase, poverty causes crime. If you believe that people are basically good, you are likely to believe that poverty or bigotry or some other outside force, causes people to commit violent crime. That's the only way you can make sense of the fact that some people commit crimes despite their basically good nature. Something drove them to it. But if you don't believe people are basically good, you're far more likely to blame the criminals themselves, not outside forces, for their actions. One more example. In a society where it is believed that people are basically good, Parents in society don't devote great efforts toward making good people. After all, if we're born good, why do you have to teach goodness? On the other hand, those who don't believe we are born all that good understand that parents in society have to undertake major efforts to make children into good adults. Okay, then, are people basically good? As I will show, given humanity's history, the answer should be obvious. Of course, human nature isn't basically good. Now, this doesn't mean that people are basically bad. We are born with real potential to do good. But we are not basically good. Take babies. Babies are lovable and innocent. But they're not good. They're entirely self-centered, as they have to be in order to survive. 
I want mommy, I want milk, I want to be held, I want to be comforted. And if you do not do all these things immediately, I will ruin your life. That's not goodness. That's narcissism. We are born narcissists. All right, so he covers a lot there. That was Dennis Prager. He covers a lot there. But when you look at are people basically good, well, how do you determine that? He was talking about outside forces. You know, when you take a look at a criminal, if people are basically good, then some outside force made you commit that crime. If you're basically good, then some outside source made you cheat on your test. That outside force made you lie to your boss. That outside source made you do something. And see, that's where we're at in society. Society believes that people are basically good, and it has to be not personal responsibility, but some outside force did something. The Twinkie made me do it, or what other thing out there made you do it. There was always something, you know. But look at the the contradictions, okay? We don't have your code of ethics, so you have outside forces. Well, why is it then with Kyle Rittenhouse? He was the one that was doing the shooting, according to people. But yet, when you look at other things, it's the gun itself that's the bad thing. Well, you can't have it both ways, you see? So when you look at somebody as people good or people bad, you can't use a litmus test like that to determine it because it just depends on the political views of somebody. It depends on the personal beliefs of somebody. And so, again, if you go back to what's healthy, what's unhealthy, obviously people are going to be the ones that are going to pick up that gun and do the shooting. You look at school shootings. A lot of people think, and there are a lot of outside uh, forces on these people doing something, like they've been bullied. We talked about in a past episode, they've been bullied. Maybe they had mental health issues and things like that. But does that mean that that person was basically good? What about the criminal's not at fault? Or... If people are basically bad, the criminal is at fault. See, because when you come down to it, human nature is not basically good. He put out some suggestions. I might put out some suggestions. Have you ever walked into a maybe a preschool class or maybe a kindergarten class or a young kids, watch them, observe them play? What do you see? What do you see when you watch them play? Well, you see selfishness. You see them fighting over toys. Some of the first words that they learn is mine. They hit. They bite. Me first. Again, that narcissism in all of us. If they don't get their way, they pout. Even if the right thing to do is to share, we all teach kids that, They should share their toys, right? You watch them on the classroom floor. They've got a few tubs of toys they're playing with it, and someone wants to come play, and that kid gets mad, and you explain to them that it's okay to share with little Johnny or little Sally Sue and let them play with you. And then they throw their hissy fit and they pout. Even though doing good is the right thing to do, they pout, right? They say mean mean things. They do mean things to each other. And these are things that aren't being taught. This is inherent in them. 
good behavior is what's taught. You need to share with little Johnny. You need to share with Sally Sue. You need to not hit. You need to not use your words in a mean way. You need to behave in this manner. See, you have to teach good behavior because it's not inherent. It's not in us to be basically good. And that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time thinking because when you don't think about this stuff and you don't get your own set of standards, your own code of ethics in place, then you don't really understand exactly what's going on because you might think, oh, he's just going through a phase or she's just, you know, going through something. That's the excuse. So we make excuses to cover a behavior. But if we have a code of ethics, as we start talking about adults now, if we have a code of ethics, a set of standards that we live by, we're going to sit there and we're going to realize that, yeah, okay, shady business practices. There's an earthquake. A lot of construction people will come through. You've just had hail damage to your house. Does your roof need replacement? A lot of people come into town trying to get that insurance money, but are they going to do a good job replacing your roof? Business business ethics, I think, at one time was at least a class taught at business school. I don't know if it is anymore. If you saw the Adam Sandler movie, Billy Madison, they had that academic decathlon at the end, and they were going back and forth with questions, and then all of a sudden the nemesis was asked about business ethics, and then the whole thing just went to pot after that. He couldn't get out anything about business ethics, you know, because that's what it is, because we are naturally focused on the bad, the negative. We have to practice. We have to be taught what is morally right. We have to be taught what is good. We have to be taught these behaviors. And only then, when we work on it, does it become a part of us. And that's one of the things that a lot of people really don't understand. So as you're sitting there and you're going through life, okay, if you're going to play the guitar, you practice. If you're going to be an athlete, you practice. If you're going to do singing, maybe you practice. If you're going to be in a play, you rehearse. Practice, right? We're always practicing. Always practicing doing things. If you're going to be on air somewhere, because that's your thing, you're going to rehearse your script. If you're going to be maybe given a presentation, you rehearse your presentation. Make sure all the slides or your PowerPoint or whatever it is is in a row, right? Because we practice, we practice. But we don't practice these things when it comes to morality. We don't practice ethics. We don't practice honesty. We don't practice integrity. We don't practice being accountable and responsible. We don't practice being loyal and faithful. We don't practice it. We just try to make it happen because of something that we've learned that this is how we should be. But we don't realize that it takes practice. Just like we talked about before with forgiveness, it takes practice. And that practice of forgiveness then helps you to forgive better, which then builds character in you. Then it brings out your inner greatness. It raises the standard of your life. And that's what this does here. It's bringing out your inner greatness. It's bringing out that thing that other people will see in you that's different from the rest of the world, from other people. When other people are doing bad business deals, but yet you're going to have that integrity, you're going to have that fairness, you're going to have that honesty to treat your clients the right way. They see that. 
then that's what they want. You ever see that one person or ever meet that one person that you just saw they were different? There's a different breed. Now, a lot of people will think of them as the gullible ones, the ones that don't have the street cred, right? We talk about street cred and they don't have street cred. Maybe that's okay they don't have a street cred because they haven't given themselves over to that type of lifestyle. They're not going to swindle you. They're not going to take advantage of you. They're actually going to be genuinely helpful to you. How many times you go around trying to help people, but then you want something back? You know, In this narcissistic world of social media, what we get a lot of times is us going to help others, and then we put it online, put it on the line, if you've ever watched that movie, The Internship with Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, on the line. But again, we put it on for people to see. Okay, you can debate whether that's good or not. I'm not going to do that. But if you're really, truly about helping others, making others better, making their lives better, helping them out, maybe we do it so that we don't get the recognition. We give anonymously. We make it so that it's about them and not about us. And oftentimes that leads us to ethical dilemmas. If I steal from the rich and feed to the poor, is that good or bad? If I drive over the speed limit to get my sick child to the hospital, is that good or is that bad? What is good and what is bad? What is morality? And do you, as a person, have morals? Morality is what society treats as right and acceptable. They're the standards of thoughts, behaviors, and actions that everyone in a group agrees to follow so that they can all live peacefully. When you define it like that, morality does sound like law. However, while the law is influenced by morals, they're not the same. Stealing is against the law. Whether you're stealing from the rich or from the poor, stealing is a crime. However, a lot of people would consider stealing a piece of bread to save a homeless person from dying of hunger moral. Driving over the speed limit is a crime, but when it could help save the life of a child in the backseat of your car, it becomes the most noble of actions. Trespassing is a crime, but when there's a storm coming and you don't have anywhere to go, Hiding under the shade of someone's porch will definitely not get you in society's black book. On the flip side, there are also some things that are considered immoral, but are not criminal. Cheating on a test is a crime, but cheating on a partner is not. However, both of them would most likely be considered immoral. Breaking a promise is one of the most immoral things you can do, but unless it was a written agreement about a business contract, you normally won't get into trouble with the law for it. Although law and morality are different, they're quite similar in many ways, actually. Both morality and law are built on the foundation of respect for all humans, as well as the autonomy of life, property, and beliefs. They're also both there to guide the behaviors of people living in a community so everyone can live together in the most peaceful ways possible. Just that one is written, and the other is usually unspoken. So when you're talking about good versus bad, morality, ethics, it comes down to society and what they think is right and acceptable. At least that's what we think. Society tells us what is right and acceptable. 
But what do our standards tell us? Society might say that this standard of thought, this behavior, this action is okay. But is it really? And that's why you have the ebb and flow of the tide and you're the jellyfish just bobbing about. If you abide by letting society tell you what is right and what isn't. We've seen it with school districts and school board meetings where parents all of a sudden, for some reason now, they are domestic terrorists according to the National School Board Association. Students are no longer allowed to have a say in their child's education. That's the new norm. That's the new standard for thought. How about all those people during the Gulf War after 9-11 And all those terrorists that were captured and put at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, and they were held, all those terrorists or alleged terrorists were held without trial, without due process. And there was a huge debate between whether that was acceptable or not. And the ruling party at the time, the Bush administration, said that they were going to hold them indefinitely because it was good for the country. And so then naturally the other side, the Democrats, are like, no, we need to let them go, let them go, let them go. And there was a big debate back and forth about that. Now today, so at the time, that was the standard of thought, that it's okay to detain somebody without due process in the name of national security. Now we fast forward to today. All this January 6th stuff. You've got political prisoners being held without due process, without the ability to meet a lawyer. And the Democrats at one time said, no, that's bad. Now they're all for it because it fits their agenda. You see, society has changed in their standard of thought, behavior, and action. There's no fairness. There's no honesty. There's no integrity. And that's with a lot of people. That's with a lot of politicians. That's with a lot of the news media. And that's a big influence for us, the power of influence, which is probably a conversation that we're going to touch on, but probably a conversation that might be good for another podcast. But if the standards by society or the standards of thought, behavior, and actions that society tells us is what it is, if this can change over time, is that a good thing? I mean, that's why we've had the Constitution, and the Constitution has been the absolute foundation of what we can and can't do. I'll take the good and bad out of it because that's debatable, but it's what we can and can't do. Now, all of a sudden, you have people calling to scrap that. You want to just scrap the foundational document that allows us to do and not do certain things. You get rid of that, it can change every election what society here in America thinks is the standard for thought, behavior, and action. I mean, think about it. You've got uh, the societal consciousness, okay? Let's take a look at stealing. Is it okay to steal? I mean, we've got a lot of people, I don't know if you watch the news, but like the local news, like in San Francisco, for example, a lot of people going into a Walgreens and just stealing whatever they can. Or uh, Recently, I forget where it was, I don't know if it was in New Jersey, but there was a place where a jewelry store was just robbed in broad daylight. Okay, a lot of times we think that would be bad. But then the video clip talked about stealing a slice of bread to feed somebody that's homeless. Is that okay? Well, I would think that in, your, in my code of ethics, stealing is stealing. It doesn't matter what the purpose is, what the end result is. So maybe you should buy the bread to give to the homeless. Speeding 
to get somebody to the hospital. A little tougher one, isn't it? Maybe 9-11 is a better situation to call because as 9-11 is speeding to the hospital, they can maybe treat your little one. But that's a little bit more difficult. But see, that's why when we get in tough situations like speeding, and we all speed, so I don't think that's kind of one that's innocuous, but we all speed just for the sake of speeding because nobody wants to be on the freeway by yourself depending on where you're at and go 65 miles an hour. you got places to go. If you're in Los Angeles, you probably can't reach 65. If you're out across I-80 somewhere in the middle of nowhere, maybe across northern Nevada going through Winnemucca, you're probably going to put the pedal to the metal so you get through northern Nevada. If you're going along the 40 in New Mexico, I want to get through New Mexico pretty quick, so you gun it. But when you take a look at these scenarios, especially the tough ones, like I'm going to speed to get to the hospital because I've got someone who's sick and injured. It takes a little bit more. What about someone comes into your house? How are you going to defend your family? How are you going to defend your loved ones? How are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to be okay with taking the life of somebody? Have you thought about that? If you're a teacher and you're at a school and you have to defend these kids, have you thought about, literally sat there and thought about what you're going to do? Are you going to sacrifice your life to try to save the lives of your students? Now, naturally, you all say yes if they asked, but because that's what we think people want to hear. But deep, deep down, you have a family of your own. These kids are just with you for maybe 180 days, but your family needs you for the rest of your life. That's where your code of ethics comes in. That's where you take a look at and see, okay, if I'm honest, if I have integrity, if I have all these other things, well, maybe I don't want to sacrifice myself, and then all of a sudden everybody gets mad at you. But at least you're being honest. You have an integrity. See, we're trained, at least teachers are trained to educate. But they're not trained to deal with real-life scenarios that are bad. Student goes missing. Abusive situation. Choking in the classroom. Some sort of intruder. A natural disaster. You know, things like that. Teachers aren't trained in any of that. In fact, teachers aren't even trained to deal with the behavior of kids. They're taught academics. They're taught how to do lesson plans, how to teach curriculum, how to do all this other stuff academically, but they're not even taught how to deal with the behavior issues of kids, let alone all this other stuff. And they're expected in the blink of an eye. You are expected in the blink of an eye to make a split decision on how you're going to respond to a situation. What if you're in a restaurant and someone comes up to you? And starts bothering you, confronting you. Have you decided ahead of time that you're just going to walk away and keep walking away? Or are you just going to let the emotions of the moment get you going? Same thing on social media, the emotions of social media. What about free speech? Free speech, at one time you had free speech, and free speech included saying prayer in the classroom. Today we can't do that. Free speech when it comes to sexualized ideology, LGBTQ, for example. There's a lot of intolerance in the name of tolerance. 
If you're a pro-LGBT, then you can have free speech. If you're not, you can't. If you're pro-CRT and pro-drag shows in the classroom, then you can have free speech. But if you're not, you can't. What about when it came to my body, my choice? That was okay for pro-abortion people, but for people that did not want the vaccine, no. You have to get the vaccine or you're going to kill people. Uh, Dude, abortion kills people. Again, where's the fairness? Where's the honesty? Where's the integrity? Again, I just use those because those were the most common honesty, integrity, accountability, responsibility, loyalty. Those were kind of the common things, the most common traits for ethics and morality that came up when I was doing the research. But you can create your own, and we'll get to that in a minute. So the foundation of respect for all humans, for life, for property, for belief systems. That's what the underlining thing is. You go back to the analogy of what's good and bad. Well, if it's good, it's going to be lifting you up. It's going to make you feel better. It's good for your heart and your soul and your mind. If it's bad for you, it's unhealthy. It's bad for your heart. It's going to tear you down. It's going to do damage to yourself. I like that analogy, the the junk food analogy, when we think about what's good, what's bad, because chocolate is good. But if you have too much of it, it's going to upset your stomach. And then it causes issues. Alcohol can be good and enjoyable, but too much of it destroys the liver. That becomes bad. So, again, it comes down to then the foundation of respect for all humans, life, property, and beliefs. You can have a different belief system, but you can respect the other person and be fair in allowing the other person to express those views. You don't have to believe them. You don't have to follow them. You don't have to engage in any of that. Just as if you're on the other side, let's just take it's Pride Month, so let's take LGBTQ. If someone isn't pro-LGBTQ or doesn't want to celebrate, maybe you should be okay with that and let them have their beliefs. Let them have their actions. Respect that. Just as you want to be respected for your beliefs in being pro-LGBT. We've come to a part, uh, to um, a place in society where we are so far from that very foundation of respect. We don't have respect for anybody. We're country divided. Again, intolerance, in the name of tolerance, on all sides. Cheating, stealing, protesting, Capitol Hill, BLM, January 6th, masks, vaccines, abortion, take any hot-button issue. The Supreme Court is supposedly at some point going to rule on abortion, and with this leaked document, a lot of people think it's going to be that they're going to do away with Roe v. Wade. We already have a lot of people not respecting that decision and creating all kinds of false narratives to get everybody going. If you have a code of ethics, a code of standards, you might realize that that tsunami of emotion can be understandable because you're going to respect the fact that their beliefs and what they believe in, that decision isn't going to go their way. But then those people have to realize See, it goes both ways, the fairness issue. So what happens if we don't have ethics, if we don't have morality, if we don't have values, if we don't have good? What happens? Here's a bunch of people on the streets, man on the street type of thing, which I love doing. And they were asked, what would a world be like without ethics? Oh, that's a good question. A world without ethics. Oh, it's hard to imagine. Fights and wars. I think a world of hatred. Cruel. Very sad. Misery. Craziness. 
corruption, <laughs> all the above. A selfish world where everyone thinks about themselves. It's sort of like lawless. If people aren't looking out for each other, you're pretty screwed. Could be a little bit like we've got now, in a way. Just worse. Ethics defines how we should behave towards other people. The question of why should we be good, why should we behave well towards other people. In the absence of that... It'd be chaos. Chaos. Anarchy. Color. There would be no colours and be like... Lifeless, right? You know, and then I think we, then we have chaos. Every day we, we have to contend with our own human urges. Why shouldn't I kill someone? Why shouldn't I have lots and lots of sexual relations outside marriage? I mean, I have impulses all the time, you know? I think we all do. There is a, a point, an uncomfortable point that you pass over when you when you go against your ethics, that grates against you and you feel it. It's almost like an unspoken code that guides everyone's behaviour. It's about recognising those and sort of deciding to live in a way that you can be proud of. Ethics are what keeps the glue of society together. <laughs> should always be in the centre, in my opinion, of everything we do. Ethics is really just an expression of that evolutionary, biological imperative. You can't just rely on law and government to police everything, so it's a very important part of society and, and makes society livable and, and cosy. If we didn't have that, we'd live in a capitalistic, liberalist nightmare of, you know, trying to... <laughs> destroy each other, compete against each other, you know. To multiply that, that's what you'd have. So, man on the street, you ask people, what would life be like? What would the world be like without ethics? Fighting, hatred, cruelty, misery, selfishness, lawlessness, chaos, anarchy, war, sadness, crazy, corruption. That's what people just randomly being asked on the street said that this world would be like. What does ethics do? Keeps society together. It's important. That's what people believe. At least they did at that time. Can't let law and government police everything. I mean, think about that. Are we going to be a group of people that wants someone to come in and tell us what to do all the time? Or do you think we could have the ability to create something that then we can govern ourselves. And that's where ethics comes in. So when you're talking about ethics, again, you're talking about a set of standards to live by. Okay. It's a foundation of respect for all humans, for life, for property and beliefs. Okay. So that's what it comes down to. That's what in a nutshell we should be doing. It's something that we should be doing every day. We should be practicing it. Because as we practice it, it's going to get better. And the more we practice, the better it's going to get. So how do we do that? Well, you got to develop it. you got to develop your own code of ethics. So how do we develop our own code of ethics? Well, one, examine who you are right now. Who are you right now? What do you like? Then compare that to what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Because if you do that, then you start the process of thinking, okay, what am I now? Who am I now? What do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Because a lot of times you get people in conversation when things aren't going very well in life. 
people will say, I don't like who I am right now. Ever have anybody tell you that? I don't really like what I'm doing right now. They start to examine themselves, start to make change, active change. So once you've examined yourself to figure out who you are now and who you want to be, then what standards, what traits do you want to exhibit? Like I said, the ones that I've been talking about have been the ones that are more common when you research ethics, morality, as traits that people want to see in others or traits they want to have in themselves. Again, you have honesty, maybe keeping promises. You had loyalty, maybe not gossiping, maybe not being mad all the time or being mad at people. Maybe you want to try to be more peaceful in your approach to people that have opposite, opposite beliefs. Maybe you want to show more kindness. You got to come up with your own. And there's no list to pick from. When you examine yourself and you find out who you are and who you want to be and you start to create these traits, you'll find what fits for you and what you want. And then when you do that, you can start to work on your code of ethics and developing them. And then once you have those traits set out, the next thing would be how will you demonstrate them? How will you act them out? How will you make them a part of your life? Because it's about having a game plan. We have to have a game plan in order to be successful. We have to have a game plan in order to move forward on this. So are you going to train yourself? We talked about you know practicing forgiveness. Are we going to practice patience? Are we going to practice perseverance? Are we going to practice accountability? Are we going to educate ourselves on, on these things? Like, okay, what is patience? Is patience sitting there listening to the radio while you're in the drive-thru at your local drive-thru and there's three cars ahead of you and you're not going to get mad? Is that patience? Well, okay, that might be one definition. But what really is patience? Patience dealing with those people that believe opposite you. Patience with dealing with people that get mad easy at work. Patience with people that might not like you. Imagine that. So educate yourself on what are the actual traits that I want to demonstrate? What do they mean? Maybe have some accountability. Maybe get a person or two that will hold you accountable. Maybe you have one at work. Maybe you have one at home. Maybe you have one you know, at the gym, whatever. Have someone that's holding you accountable to these things. Give it to them. Say, this is what my game plan is for my code of ethics. You help me keep me in check because you're going to fail. We all do. We're going to go outside the bounds. We're going to get impatient. We're going to get mad. We're going to yell. We're going to not be kind. It's going to happen, and that's okay. We get back up, and we start over. But having some accountability is going to be huge. And so we practice it. We practice it. We practice it. We plan for failure because we know that's going to happen. We don't give up, and we start small. You start small, and then you build. Maybe start with one. And then you add a second, then you add a third and a fourth, and then you grow your code of ethics. So you examine yourself. Who do you want to be? What are you now? What traits, what standards do you want to include on this code of ethics? How will you act them out? Train, educate, have accountability, practice, plan for failure, don't give up. And then you got to realize that these are the standards that are going to be absolute and resolute. They're not negotiable. They're not adjustable. Now, adjustability could be a little leeway depending on life and life experience. But again, these are the things that are going to keep you from being the jellyfish just bobbing around the ocean 
with the ebb and flow of the tide, and whatever society says, that's what I'm going to believe. It goes beyond being just a morally good person. It's making you a better person. It's making you a better person day to day. It's making you a better person in time of crisis. It's making you a better person so that you can bring out your inner greatness, so that you can raise the standard, so that you can inspire and motivate others to do the same. And then as they raise their standard, bring out their inner greatness, inspire, motivate, and then someone else, and then someone else, and then someone else. And the next thing you know, we've got a lot of people that are doing this. We've got a lot of people coming together and raising up our communities, raising up our neighborhoods, raising up our society. But it starts with a conscience, a conscious effort, and being aware that having values, having morals, having ethics, it's important. And it's often overlooked and forgotten about. And people don't think about it much. You're talking about having a set of standards to live by. You're talking about a foundation of respect for all humans, for life, property, beliefs. You might not agree with them. That's okay. But you're going to respect them. You're going to respect the fact that they have those, that people are different. And when we start to do that, we start to make things better. And then we have to finally check the influences that are coming in. Check those influences. Just like those kindergartners, they don't need to be influenced about the bad things they do, the selfishness, the fighting, the biting, the hitting, the not sharing your toys. No one needs to teach them that. They need to be taught to share. They need to be taught not to bite, not to say mean things. They need to be taught the healthy aspects of life that build people up. They don't need to be taught the negative things that tear people down. And we take a look at, take a look at it from that perspective, then we can look at our own lives. What are we doing that's unhealthy? What are we doing that's healthy? How can we change the unhealthy to the healthy? It's all through our code of standards or code of ethics or set of standards, that foundation of respect. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. You can find us on, uh, well, starting with RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can go there, click on the uh, Two Steps Ahead Podcast uh, logo. All of our shows pop up. You can listen to them. We've got a YouTube channel. We've got a SoundCloud channel. SoundCloud, you can download the audio and take it with you on the go. Uh, YouTube, you can watch them. We've got uh, Instagram. got two sites. We've got the show site, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. My personal page, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. In both, you have a uh, link tree link in the bio. You click on that, and options pop up to go to our YouTube channel, SoundCloud, our swag shop, and different places. And then also, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can just say, hey, Google, hey, Siri, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Until next time, God bless.